This week on Dig Me Out, Tim and Jay review Sweet Relief, a benefit for Victoria Williams. Yeah, that's pretty much what I would expect from them to do on a song like this. I just don't like the read. I don't like Bob Dylan either. Yeah, it sounds very cheap. Sounds very distant. This is the best Soul Asylum song they didn't write. Hello and welcome to another episode of Dig Me Out. I'm your host, Tim Minichi, and joining me for episode one... Five one of season three. It's Mr. Jason Ziak back for the attack. Jay, we are on. Uh, we are wrapping up. We're in the last five episodes of our third season. We covered earlier this year some. Fa- uh, so we utilized some Facebook polls to cover some uh, some compilation albums and uh, tribute albums. And this week we are doing a benefit album. A little bit different. A little bit different take on the on the, the comp album, Jay. How is that? Well, we, we did a soundtrack. That was our first, I guess you'd say our first compilation was a soundtrack. And then we did the second compilation, which was the Depeche Mode tribute album. Hmm. And then this one is a tribute album uh, but it's a tribute for a benefit, and so a little bit, you know, different take. So it's all songs by the for uh, r- r- all of the songs recorded in the spirit of uh, creating a, a, a benefit for a particular cause. In this particular case, it's the Sweet Relief uh, benefit, which was formed. Uh, it's the Sweet Relief Fund. It was formed in. Uh, early 90s and this album came out in 93 to benefit uh, Victoria Williams who was a, a singer songwriter in the late 80s and and throughout the 90s and 2000s um, who was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis and she didn't have health insurance to help cover the cost of the you know various treatments and medications so this was set up this particular album was set up in order to help uh, pay for that and that which led to the creation of the sweet relief fund and there's been uh additional albums released since then and and some one was uh sweet relief 2 which is called the gravity of the situation was a, a variety of bands covering vic chestnut songs to benefit vic chestnut that was sort of my it was i kind of got into the history of this but didn't mean to so there you go that's the yeah, history just- of just wanted you to explain the benefit part, but yeah. kind of just ran with it there. I kind of did. Yeah, Victoria Williams, uh, I'll give you a brief, since the album is a benefit for her. She's from uh, Shreveport, Louisiana, bo- or born in Shreveport, Louisiana in uh, 1958, and um, singer-songwriter, uh, but has lived uh, in Southern California for most of her career. Um, released her first album in 1987, Happy Come Home. And has released uh, albums since then, Swing the Statue in 1990, Loose in 1994, a live album, This Moment, in Toronto with the Loose Band in 1995, Musings of a Creek Creek Dipper in 1998, Water to Drink in 2000, and Sing Some Old Songs in 2002. And then she was married to uh, the artist Peter Case. Uh, They divorced, and then she was married to Mark Olson from the Jayhawks, and with Mark Olson, they formed the original Harmony Creek Dippers, 
which was after Mark Olson left the Jayhawks. And they performed uh, under that name and then also under some other names with the, basically the same um, artist. Uh, but it was Mark Olson's Creek Dippers and, and various incarnations based on, I guess, who was playing in the band. Um, and then Mark Olson and Victoria Williams divorced. So that stopped happening in terms of their collaboration. So that's the sort of the background on, on Victoria Williams. So, and of course, um, anytime we can tie things to Mark Lanigan, uh, we do. Uh, in 2009, she began working on a new record with Isabel Campbell, who of course has recorded uh, multiple albums with Mark Lanigan. So there is our Mark Lanigan moment. <laughs> All, he's like the um, Kevin Bacon of 90s. He is kind of. Rock. Were you familiar with this particular uh, record before we get into the review of it? Uh, I remember a couple of these songs. Um, I suppose they must have been played on radio because uh, I definitely knew a couple of them. I am not familiar with Victoria Williams. So other than, you know, I remember I remember when this record came out. I remember a couple of the songs. I remember her name being mentioned, but that's about it. Yeah, and I, I'm, I was sort of in the same boat. So this came out in 93, which... You know, Pearl Jam is probably the best known band that's on this record for the time. Obviously, 10 had already been released and Versus was released uh, that year in October of 93. This came out, when did this come out? In July. So this came out a couple months before their second album came out. And, you know, if you were a big Pearl Jam fan like I was back in the day, you were pretty much hunting down any Pearl Jam song you could find, any B-side and... Um, I remember hearing Crazy Mary and I think there, I don't remember if there was a video or not, but I remember it falling sort of into the same vibe as like Yellow Leadbetter and Black, those sorts of Pearl Jam songs at the time. So mm. it, it kind of made sense to me that uh, they did that song, but I wasn't familiar with Victoria Williams and I never really went and investigated any of her actual recordings until haven't. So let's talk about the actual recordings and the records and what we think of the songs, Jay. I thought we'd do this a little bit differently since I usually just throw it to you and you talk for God knows how long and then I talk for God knows how <laughs> Most long. Most the show. Right. I thought, what if we just what if we went song by song together? Okay. Talked about each song. Did, did a little different. Let's so the it. first song on the record is Soul Asylum and it's Summer of Drugs. And I did want to mention that Eric Grubbs chimed in in our Facebook feedback, and he said, Soul Asylum still plays Summer of Drugs live. Uh, that's I can't confirm that, because I've only seen Soul Asylum once, and they played a Halloween show where they did, like, all covers. So I can neither confirm nor deny that. But he said this album seems to get buried in the rubble. Then again, a lot of compilations from this era are. So uh, that was his point. But Summer of Drugs, Soul Asylum. Jay, what's your, what do you think of this song? It fits them well. I think they do a good job with this. I think it um, it sounds like it could be one of their songs. Um, his voice works really well here. Uh, probably the most tasteful use of piano on the record. Every town 
I love I love the songwriting. Um, you hear it on this song, you hear it on a lot of the other songs, in that there's a lot of twists and turns. Um, you know, I don't think there's any complicated chord structures going on here or anything like that, but there's a lot of really interesting kind of builds and changes, and this song is a great example of that. Yeah, this is the best Soul Asylum song they didn't write. Like this sounds like a, a Soul Asylum song from the uh, classic, I guess, era of Soul Asylum before the misery and the, the pop singles happened. This to me, like, it's Perner at his, like, absolute, you know, perfect moment in terms of his... He likes wordplay in a lot of the Soul Asylum stuff, and this song has wordplay in it. Um, it's got a bluesy, sort of stonesy feel to it. Mm. Which Solsam didn't yep. really investigate, but works well for them. They do Definitely, it well. Yeah. So I think that that was that's a winner. That's a great start off starting point for this record. Track two is Lucinda Williams' uh, "Main Road." Would take on that. It, it goes well with the Solsam song. I think um, they do a surprisingly good job of sequencing this record. It's not it's not easy to sequence. Um, cover records but uh, they do a pretty good job here so this pairs up pretty nice with the soul sign song in terms of overall feel um <clears throat> i'm not a huge fan of the vocal but uh i do like the slide guitar mm-hmm. um, that's played in this it's it's really really tasty um very very cool in that um it makes up a big part of the song it's you know sometimes slide is kind of a compliment Terry uh, piece where you're playing leads or it's more of like a texture but this is uh, the the slide part and this is, is kind of driving the whole thing and it's some pretty good good uh, good playing so I like it I don't like it as much as the solo time song but it's still pretty decent it's one of those songs where I won't skip it if it's I'm just playing it but I don't think I would pick it out yeah. um, I, I do like Lucinda Williams voice it's distinct, and I think that you know it's it's in her wheelhouse. This song, so um, I like it a lot. And we already sort of touched on the Pearl Jam song earlier, uh, which is "Crazy Mary." Um, shows off, I believe that's Mike McCready playing the, the lead guitar parts in that song. The thing that I I like about it is the addition of the organ. Um, and the, I believe it's Victoria Williams actually doing the little bit of uh, female vocal that appears in the choruses. Oh, okay. But I can't confirm that, but I'm pretty sure it is. I, the thing that I really liked about this song is, and going back listening to it, is there's a wittiness and a real, like, I don't know, storyteller aspect to her songwriting that's intriguing. I love the part where she says, uh, where the, the lyric is, um, there's a sign that says no L-O-I-T-E-R-I-N-G allowed, and that always attracts such a crowd, or something like that. But that's, yeah. and there's like a pause in between those. It's almost like a comedic pause. Like, mm-hmm. you know that she's setting this up um, to sort of twist, make a twist in, on, on the what she just d- uh, delivered to you. So mm-hmm. it's different in that respect. And, and obviously... I think Eddie Vedder approached it from a different standpoint as well. He's not growling or, you know, doing his Eddie Vedderisms. He's actually singing a bit higher and a bit playful 
uh, especially in the choruses. He's still probably pretty yarly. This is when he's still, you can tell it's closer to the first tracker because he mm -hmm. still gets a little bit into the yeah, but he gets into the chorus. He's he's like, take the bottle, take it down. Yeah, he's he's actually you know being a little, having a little fun with it, which is nice. Yeah, yeah. The, and there's some good, uh, memorable lines. There's some memorable melodies. Um, there are some great pauses, as you mentioned, that give it some drama and um, add to the overall motion of it. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's the longest song on the record. Yeah. Um, but I think there's enough changes in it that it never feels long, um, which I think is key when, <clears throat> when you're writing songs that are seemingly simple. But um, it's really about the the lyrics, the melody, and the um, kind of the journey, the story that it tells. I think it does a pretty good job of that. And I think think this is fairly close to the original like i think it was the same kind of approach with like the clean guitar and minimal drums and uh you know all about the vocal mm -hmm. which was cool too buffalo tom merry-go-round uh if you had told me this was a buffalo tom song i would have just believed you i mean it has yeah. that vibe so i like that they're able to sort of integrate it into their you know their sound mm -hmm. um and i don't, I don't like it's completely fine it's you know like i said it's a very buffalo tom sounding track so yeah it's probably got the most attitude on the record you know it, this is an artist that um you know some of these songs get so pretty and so perfect that it kind of loses something mm -hmm. um so this is a nice spot in the record where this has got the most you know kind of attitude the most snarl to it the most it's probably the, one of the looser songs it sounds to me <laughs> like a mix between Super Chunk and the Replacements. And when I listened to the original song, the original sounds nothing like this. So it's, I, they pretty much reinvented this, I think, to fit what they do. Interesting. Um, yeah, so it, it's a good tune for them. Again, you know, like uh, the Soul Asylum song, it, it sounds like them. So it makes sense. Michael Penn, Weeds. I actually like this song quite a bit. Um, yeah. It's a bit repetitive, but... There's a, I don't know, the way that he handles it, it, it like stuck with me and it has like a cool groove to it. And um, I don't know, what did you think? Yeah, you can tell it's a studio song. Um, I think that's probably the way that he writes most of his records. Um, and that, you know, there's, a, there's patterns, you know, things are layered. Um, he's using a lot of Mellotron, which is what all those really quirky, odd sounding, you know, vocals are. Which is which is how I'm always in, you know it's an instrument I like and um, you know John it's an instrument John Bryan uses a lot and mm -hmm. um, it just sounds interesting it gives everything a kind of a weird dark kind of tinge to it but it's still kind of pretty uh, you know it it actually makes me want it's funny it uh, a song like this doesn't make me want to necessarily dig into Victoria Williams, but it does make me want to dig into Michael Penn a little bit more.
there's some vocals in this that I, I haven't listened to the original song but there's some vocals in this that like the weed the way that he does the weeds line i can't imagine too many other people being able to pull off on this record mm-hmm. i don't know if that's just his personality coming across in it or if the original's like that i need to reference it but it's you know it's it, there's aspects to it that are uniquely fit him which is kind of nice mm-hmm. seems like he did a good job picking the right song you know yeah absolutely Speaking of picking the right song, Shudder to Think. Well, there was a curveball. I was not expecting Shudder to Think to throw up or throw up to show up on this Bleh. record. Um, and they they do the track Animal Wild, and it sounds like Shudder to Think. <laughs> I don't know yeah, how that's possible. I don't know how Shudder to Think shows up and is like, "Yep, we own this song now." Yeah. Uh, but I don't even know what to say other than it sounds like Shudder to Think, which makes me happy because I everybody it made me want to go back and listen to Pony Express record immediately. When I when I heard them doing this, yeah, in, in the that that record had a cover on it too, right? Yes, and I really like when they do covers because um, they're they they seem uh, that song and this song seem to have a just a little bit more melody than their own material does, just a little touch more. I don't know, um, conventional something glue to it. I mean, it still has all the weird sort of thing stuff going on with the vocal and just the, you know, the structure and the dynamics and everything. But there's just enough thread of a traditional song when they do a cover that it kind of uh, it works really well for me on them. They 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 do covers really well, and it's a good song. Could have yeah. totally been on. Could have could totally be on one of their records. So this is where we <clears throat> head into what I'm calling um, the. I didn't enjoy it as much territory. And that's mm-hmm. uh, Lou Reed doing Tarbelly and Featherfoot. I have to preface this by saying I'm not exactly the biggest Lou Reed fan. Um, I understand that he's important and, you know, recently passed away. And I obviously have a huge amount of respect for his contributions, both as a member of the Velvet Underground and solo. However, I'm not one to bust out a Lou Reed record. So, him yeah. right in the middle of this thing. Wasn't really thrilled about it. Um, I'm not a fan of his style in terms of his vocal delivery on a lot, on, in, in the way that it's presented in this song. And, um, yeah, this was a skip one for me. Yeah, not a huge Lou Reed fan either. I think what makes it tougher is that uh, it's not necessarily his vocal that bothers me on this. It's the sound of the song, or the guitar sound is really not good or weird it's cheap it's It's cheap sounding yeah yeah it sounds very cheap sounds very distant i don't know if that's on purpose because he has kind of a low register voice and they try to make the guitars you know higher pitched and make them weird to make his voice stand out i don't know what's going on but it is not a what i would consider a great sounding song from a production standpoint so um it's not a total skipper for me just because i think the quality of the song almost saves it for me Um, but it's definitely not on my favorite list for the record. How about Maria McKee doing uh, Opal Oasis 
I don't know if that's how you say it. <laughs> uh, parentheses, sweet relief. Is that on your skip or your keep? It, it's one of the, it's um, probably the best example of, it's It's a little too clean for me. Yeah. You know, the drum, because kicks in, when it kicks in, the drums sound great, but it, you think it's going to be kind of like the Soul Asylum song, but it's actually got a really chintzy sounding piano and the vocal is so clean and nice that it's like there's something it just doesn't have an edge to it it kind of sounds like bland bland country or something yeah i liked it the first time i heard it and then in each successive time i liked it less and less because it sounded so clean in comparison to some of the other stuff that's on here where people got a little rough with the songs and kind of made them their own i didn't feel like this was as particularly as interesting as some of the other stuff one of the songs i do think is interesting is the matthew sweet song um he does a lot of work on this song in terms of there's a lot of textures i think there's like backwards guitar in this song great melodies for him to to dig into you know he's a master of pop and power pop songwriting so for him to be able to like layer a lot of vocals and do a lot of things there um this is a really good not only a song on this record, but a really good Matthew Sweet track. I agree. Uh, the background vocals, uh, if you told me it was the Jayhawks, I would have totally believed you. I mean, the harmonies sound exactly like them. Mm-hmm. It's also, it's one of the f- couple songs in here that doesn't have the dynamic shifts and turns and twists that's, that the majority of the record has, mm-hmm. um, which I enjoy. Uh, it, the contrast was nice. Um, it's a pretty straightforward straightforward song i think he's he's doing some between a layering in there i think there's some banjo or mandolin yep. and there's there's a backwards violin like you mentioned or guitar or something it's just a lot of really interesting sounds but it all just it kind of melts together and glues together into this just really pretty song songs that melodies works for him really well yeah no i think it's uh it's probably my favorite song on the record interesting well evan dando's next and he does frying pan um i'm a fan of pretty much anytime evan dando decides he wants to just sit down with an acoustic guitar sometimes i feel like his band tracks get a little overdone and he gets kind of buried in them so anytime i can hear him and just an acoustic guitar i think he's just got such a great voice yeah you know, I, I'm all for that. So I like this track a lot. Yeah, I'm not that familiar. Obviously, I know some Lemonhead songs, but I'm not that familiar with this side of him. Um, I do. I agree. I like it. Um, and I think it's a smart choice with this material. 
I think it, this material in general works well if you've got a decent voice and you can play acoustic guitar. You know, I think that's one option um, that you can take with this stuff and be pretty, you know, I think you're going to come out the other side look sounding pretty good. Um, as opposed to the Maria McKee song, which it's just too, it's just the, the approach is too standard, you know, it's just a band. I think unless you're going to do something really off the wall like Michael Penn or even Shutter the Thank, you're probably better off doing what he does and just strip it down and play it on an acoustic guitar. And, uh, right. you know, he delivers it well. Because mm-hmm. the song, again, you know, I mean, all these songs tell stories and it's very much about the lyrics. So that kind of approach, it, it just, it works well for that. Next track uh, is the Jayhawks doing lights. Sounds like the Jayhawks to me. I gotta say, yeah. like this this is straight off of like Hollywood Town Hall or Tomorrow the Green Grass. I mean, it sounds like that era of the Jayhawks. The harmonies are there. Gary Loris's guitar part is there. So I, I love listening to that. The stuff that they did from that era, and and include and the stuff that you know we covered on the Sound of Lies episode. Um, after Mark Olson left the band, I still enjoy that era too. But um, this sort of classic era for them—I mean, they just—they just know how to find that groove, that tempo, where they can kind of ride it and carry do, do those two-part harmonies and have that, you know, kind of slightly distorted. He's got his SG working. Yeah, it just—it sounds good. And maybe want to. This is another one where I was like, man, I gotta go listen to Hollywood Town Hall again. Because that's such a good record. Who's on the lead vocal on this? That's Mark Olson doing the lead. Uh, I don't like that. Does he sing on that that album a lot? Well, they do. Mostly, they do stuff together. Um, they'll take yeah. some songs here or there by themselves, but they're always when they get into a chorus, they're always doubling each other up. Yeah, I just don't remember him. I mean, I think I like the albums he's not on better, but <laughs> that's what yeah. I have to ask you. That kind of threw me when the song started. I was expecting your Gary Lewis, and I was like, well, wait, who's singing? What's going on? And then when they got to the, um, they sort of build the second vocal in, and then they get to the chorus, and like, okay, and now it's the Jayhawks. It's not, it's it's fine. It, I was expecting a little bit more, to be honest with you. It's almost, it was almost too predictable. Um, I think some of these others, for one reason or another, they were a surprise. Either like, oh, didn't expect this band, band to be on here, or oh, they pulled that off for it. You know, that kind of thing where this one was right. like, yeah, that's pretty much what I would expect from them to do on a song like this. And it's not a skipper, but I wasn't as, you know, into it as I thought I might be, considering how much I like that band. Well, how into you, how into uh, the Water Boys, Why Look at the Moon, were you? <laughs> no, oh my God. This sounds like uh, it was taken off the Little Mermaid soundtrack. <laughs> This is awful. I hate. I, I hated that. I, I don't yeah. know what's going on. I don't know anything about this band, but it's just like, yeah, it just it sounds like a just a bad mix of like reggae and yeah. I don't even awful. know. I don't yeah. even know. I don't know how to describe it. It may. It's, it's like, actually. I've heard the Water Boys name, but I never want to listen to anything they do based on that song. <laughs> it, I think the reason I said Disney is because it's like you take a bunch of like somewhat like world sounding types of influences and you mix them all together into one song. So it's completely nondescript and non-defensive, but still, you know, exotic sounding. That's just what you're at. You end up yep. with. So. Uh, giant sand, big fish. Oh, you go first on this one. 
kind of have the same feeling as I did with the Waterboy song. Yeah. I don't I don't really care for it. The ba- the back end of the album after the Jayhawks, I kind of start to lose my interest. And I'll be completely honest. Um, and I feel like they they got these contributions from these bands and were like, eh, we'll put this towards the end. We don't want to put these up front. Yeah, it does feel like that. It, they, they sound like the evil B-52s or something. It starts <laughs> off like a country shuffle and then it gets all like B-52 jazz. It's just, I don't know. Yeah, I when it started know. out, I was like, okay, well, this is interesting. And then it just goes in a direction that I did not care for at all. Um, and actually, I, I'll take that back. I, the Michelle Shock song, Holy Spirit, I understand it gets, you know, it gets a little gospely with the, uh, and it was funny because the beat came in and it made me realize that, okay, this is a gospel beat at the end of the song, but it also is the beat for like Lust for Life by E Pop. So I, I actually didn't terribly mind. I sort of put it in the same camp as uh, the Maria McKee song in that it's, it you know, it serves its purpose. It's not terrible but i just don't necessarily need to hear it again yeah it's just yeah for me it's like you said it's um like that maria Maria mckee song it's just a little too straightforward and almost expected i don't know i like a little twist or a turn or i like to or a slight a slight reinterpretation in some way or another and i don't get the sense that that that's going on here so overall, Jay, we've go, we've gone through each of the songs. First time we've done that with one with an album in quite a long time since we've probably done a, an interview with an artist. Uh, where are you at with an overall rating? Are you at a worthy album, better EP, or decent single? I'm at eight songs. I could I could live with the Lou Reed and the Maria McKee song, but the other four so that gets me to ten. So I, I guess it's a I'll give it a worthy album. You know, the other four, yeah whatever i'm at nine so i'm i'm gonna give it a worthy album i'm i'm not taking lou reed sorry <laughs> lou. you're so mean i just don't like lou reed i don't like bob dylan either so i'm clearly like some wacko no, who hates the core of of modern music We'd probably two, just lost all of our credibility. What two are, of the whatever. biggest pillars of might as well say that we hate Bruce Springsteen <laughs> and and uh, Elvis Presley and just call it a day. Did you see those creepy pictures of the uh, the that some studio did uh, that show what um, famous rock stars would look like if they were still alive? So they did like Elvis and Bob Marley and Jim no. Morrison. <laughs> You gotta look it up. It's pretty funny. John Lennon. Couple, some of them are like, just look bizarre. Oh. Uh, and then other ones, like the Jimi Hendrix one, you're like, whoa. But then there's others like the John Lennon where you're like, oh, I, yeah, that's probably what he would look like. That's really creepy. <laughs> but Jim Morrison, it's ridiculous. You're like, there's no way. Like, when you look at it, you realize like, this guy could not have ever lived to make it to this point because this, this could have never happened right this looks ridiculous so i want to mention two things one this album's on spotify but it's missing two songs on spotify the jayhawk song and the michelle shock song so but i you know go check it out on spotify second thing the sweet relief two which was for vic chestnut this is these are the artists that were on this one um garbage rem nancy griffith with hootie and the blowfish Ooh. soul asylum 
Dog's Eye View, Live, Smashing Pumpkins with Red Red Meat, Sparkle Horse. Now here's your here's your uh, duet of the century, Madonna and Joe Henry. Kristen Hirsch. Joe Henry had an album called Trampoline, which is actually not pretty, not bad. Came out in the mid '90s. Okay. And he's he's been a move, um, music producer as well. Okay. Uh, Kristen Hirsch, Cracker, Indigo Girls, Vic Chesna, and Victoria Williams do a song together, and then uh, Mary Margaret O'Hara, who I have no idea who that is. Hmm. Um, Who's Dogs Eye View? Why does that sound familiar? Everything Falls Apart was the name of their single. What year did that album come out? I mean, the the second. Two, that came out in 1996. And then there, I believe, was a third one, which came out this September. It's called Sweet Relief, Pennies from Heaven. Um, and it features on it uh, Joseph Arthur, Jackson Brown, Ben Harper, Ricky Lee Jones, Katie Lang, Shelby Lynn, Sam Phillips, Ron Sexsmith, She and Him, Victoria Williams, um, and it's to—it's not for a particular artist. It's just to to for money for the fund for the Sweet Relief Fund. I just uh, fired up Dog's Eye View, and I'm do you remember that, that song? That question. Everything falls apart. Oh, I do. That was a dark yeah. period for music. I think. That was in like the Breakfast at <laughs> Tiffany's, you know, uh, Deep yeah. Blue Something era. Yeah. Uh, Eagle Eye Cherry Save Tonight. What caused yeah. all that music? Um, that like dudes counting, in dorm rooms crows? playing acoustic guitar, learning uh, oh. Counting Crows songs, and then trying to get laid. That's what but I, was Counting Crows the first band that kind of got hit in that direction? Yeah, I think so. Oh. Blind Melon as well. Oh, so awful. So that's it. That's our uh, review of Sweet Relief. A tribute to Victoria Williams. That's our tribute record for this year. Um, it's our our th- one, two, three punch of soundtrack, tribute album, and benefit album. So uh, next year we're hoping to do like a rarities compilation, uh, or perhaps um, I don't know something along those lines. There's more compilation types of compilations to tackle in the. Uh, in the future or you know it was sometimes record labels put out those sampler compilations like all the artists that they have on their record and do a, a rare song yeah that's what we have to do yet yeah so like that'll be on, it'll be our, yes exactly like we'll do that uh 2014 that'll be one of our compilation lists and you'll be able to vote for that at facebook uh on our facebook page and then of course i want to remind everybody for the month of december if you leave us positive feedback on our iTunes page, um, we're going to pick one of you, and we are going to choose one and provide a free listener review uh, in, in the 2014 season. So in the month of December, starting December 1st, leave us some positive feedback. We'll pick somebody, and we will uh, allow you to pick a record for us. For Jay, I'm Tim. That's a wrap. and We'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out. Join the conversation about this episode at digmeoutpodcast.com. 
where you can find links to our Facebook page and Twitter feed, as well as links to our request a review and merchandise pages. Yeah.